we'll continue with the sermon series on the I am. Uh, we have two more I ams. Uh, this is uh, the third one. And uh, this I am series from the book of John, those of you who haven't been here and want to just go back a couple of weeks on our YouTube channel, you could catch up. We've been doing the seven claims of Jesus that John said that Jesus is the I am. John was trying, uh, was a follower of and a disciple of Jesus the Christ. And his main intention for writing uh, the book was to prove to his audience, to the readers, that Jesus was both human but also God. Now, I've been having this conversation with my children. They asked me, Baba, who made God? So that's my son. And my daughter says, it's Jesus who made God. And uh, we've been having this, even as recent as yesterday, we were having this conversation, and I said, for real, I don't know who made God. I don't even know if God can be made. Okay? I don't know. And uh, to the irritation of my children, they says, you don't know. Just say you don't. I said, I don't know. Okay? And uh, my, my daughter is convinced that Jesus made God. Okay? And my son is disappointed that his father doesn't have an answer. But here goes. I tried to explain to him that Jesus is the exact representation of God. He's the human manifestation of God. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. And we read that in the book of Hebrews. But this was not persuasive to my children. We are yet to have this theological debate. In fact, in the book of John, which I hope my children will understand as they go, get older, that... But John goes on to explain further why he wrote the book of John. We read this in John chapter 20, verse 30, all the way almost to the end of the book of John. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these I have written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the chosen one, the son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John's way of proving this was, uh, this was to pick these seven stories, seven teachings, seven miracles, and also seven teachings where Jesus says he is the I am. With the account of his last days, and we get that from chapter 13 all the way to the end of the book, we read about Jesus. Jesus being the word of God and Jesus being God. When we read the book of John, he quotes Jesus introducing himself, just giving a summary, or describing himself in the phrase, I am. This was an audacious way to introduce oneself. We began with, I am the bread of life, and then, I am the light of the world. We followed this with, I am the gate. And the last time I was here, we talked about I am the good shepherd. Today, this Sunday, we cover the fifth claim, I am the resurrection and the life. How many of you like stories? Like Hadithi Hadithi? Hadithi Hadithi? Pauqua. 
I remember those words. What was that program on, 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 on KBC? What was it? Uh, those old school people over here, millennials. I don't know if you remember that one. But anyway, let's go. All right. Hadithi, Hadithi. In 1985, there was a gentleman called Eric Awori. Eric Awori called a press conference. And those times they used to go to, what was that building just next to, there on uh, Koinange Street, Chester House. Yes. He called a press conference with the news hitting headlines. And it captured the attention uh, of, 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 of the media like a soap opera. He claimed he had driven his car for 650 kilometers in reverse mode. <laughs> Some people's eyes have gone to say, yeah, we remember that. This story hit the headlines so much and was prompting, you know, companies all just going over themselves just to sponsor this guy. Westlands Motors, DT Dobby became his sponsors for his vehicles. <laughs> According to the man, okay, this Mr. Awori, he was seeking global attention. He had set himself to beat the world record holder, Gerald Hoagland, an American who had driven his vehicle in reverse for 102 kilometers. Kenyans like breaking records. Sindio, why don't we break a record of driving a car in reverse? Okay. It took, it took this, uh, rather he took this as a personal challenge uh, and um, and he said this, this is what the Daily Nation quotes uh, in 1985. I took it as a personal challenge. If this American could do it, why not me? That is what Awori said. And the Daily Nation quoted him. Therefore, to accomplish this, he drove from Mombasa to Nairobi, then to Nakuru and Rongai. There's, you know there's a Rongai of Nakuru, yes. And then back to Nairobi to break this record. Awori then sent this message to newsrooms, okay? And as was the norm for all these companies who want to get aligned to them, Westland Motors gave him a new Toyota Corolla to seemingly align them with this great feat, this guy. <laughs> he even received a, glo a global award in a ceremony that was held at the Hilton Hotel, after which he announced at that ceremony, okay, to in the presence of many motor company executives that he planned to set another world record. Okay? And this time, he'd be, he'd be doing one in reverse for a seven-ton lorry truck from Nairobi to Mombasa. Notice, guys, this, this happened in this Kenya, in this Nairobi. To, okay? Not to miss out on this opportunity, DT Dobby, okay, donated a giant Mercedes-Benz truck for Awori to use in this challenge. Eh. <laughs> Guys, this is a true story. True story. Go check it out online. You'll see it, okay? Awori conveyed to the local daily that a Mr. John Miller, an independent adjudicator for the Guinness Book of Records, would come would travel to Nairobi to judge this major feat or stunt. Imagine a seven-ton lorry, okay, 
in reverse from Mombasa all the way to Nairobi. Guys, this is for real. There is records. The journey was set to commence on the 11th of December, knowing that 12th of December was, is not just a holiday, it is what? Jamhuri Day. Uh -huh. And he was flagged off by the then assistant minister, okay, Sharif Nasir, who is the father of the current governor of Mombasa County. He was flagged off, guys, all right, with a plan of reaching Nairobi on the 12th, Independence Day. You can already be patriotic there, all right? You're already holding here, about to sing the national anthem already, yeah? You're feeling patriotic. This guy was, after the flagging off, nobody accompanied a worry, no images were taken to prove that he actually made the trip. However, what convinced the world was a message from this Mr. John Miller from the Guinness Book of Records who came back to newsrooms there at Chester House confirming that a worry had made this trip and had broken the record. It was on the front pages the following day. Newsrooms were awash with what this person has done. Guys, this is a, you, you think it, this happened in Kenya. <laughs> And with all this fame, with all this fame and attention, Awori came and said, because I did this, now I'm going to do even a greater feat. There is a rally, okay? It's called the Kiwi Auto Reverse Rally in New Zealand, in Newby, on the Newbury Ranch, that he was going to go there and win that rally. You know, us guys, you know, Safari Rally, we was going to do this, but this is a rally of... People doing things in reverse. And so, Awori disappeared. We thought that he had gone. After the competition, another message was sent to the newsrooms confirming that this guy, Awori, had rewritten history, becoming the first African driver to win this contest in New Zealand. Yet again, there are no pictures for this event, but he was celebrated. All hell broke loose when the New Zealand High Commission here in Nairobi came with a statement and said, no such event exists. A worry was summoned to produce evidence, but he had none. In fact, after a lot of coaxing, it was established that Awori had never traveled to New Zealand, that there was no Guinness Book of Records representative who ever came to Kenya. In fact, everything that he claimed was all a hoax. And so he was arrested. He was arrested. And as you know, the government comes and says, no stone will be left unturned <laughs> to find this guy and all his accomplices making money and conning corporate Kenya. Awori was exposed for his lie to the daily nation. And it was a big hoax. In fact, I remember it was a big thing. It was even written there, Awori, a hoax. We all fell for it. 
hook, line, and sinker. What has this got to do with our message today? Let's see. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 11. John chapter 11 and verse 1. I'm reading from the New International Version. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Um, he was sorry. Uh, he, was a, he was a brother to Mary and let me repeat that again. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble for he sees by, his world, by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called, also called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, uh, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have died, wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come and come into the world. And after she, she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Verse 29. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in, 
the house comforting her. Notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the, blind, of the blind man have kept him from dying? Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But the Lord said, but Lord, rather, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, uh, uh, let me repeat that. But Lord, said Martha, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there, there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. I knew that you always hear me. I know that you always hear me. But I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. A dead man came out with his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the, growth, the grave clothes and let him go. A fascinating story that captures my imagination almost every time I read this. Jesus was at the penultimate period of his ministry and a time on earth uh, when he was soon going to die. And he knew it. He was in the vicinity of Jerusalem, in the town of Bethany, just outside, just like maybe Rongai or Mulolongo is to Nairobi. Um, and he knew this time was coming up. Lazarus' illness and death was not just about his friend's ill health. But as Jesus aptly put it, it was for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And we read this in verse 14. Jesus was about to make an audacious claim. A big claim that would make headlines all over. That would be trending for days, possibly months. The Twitter, okay, it's no longer Twitter, it's now X, okay? The Twitter, X, Instagram, Facebook, all those for, for days would have hashtags, resurrection, hashtag, Lazarus, hashtag, dead man resurrected, hashtag, Majabu, Bethany, whatever you want to call it. But Jesus did not call a press conference. He just showed up at a man's funeral. You see, this was not the first time in Jesus' public ministry that he raised some, someone from the dead. 
Luke gives an account in Luke chapter 7 verse 11. Let me read this quickly. Chapter 7 verse 11. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. This was in Samaria, okay? And he approached the town gate and a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother as she was a widow. And a large crowd uh, from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the buyer. They were carrying the dead person on. And the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Okay, This happened in Samaria, but even in the neighboring province, Jesus' reputation came about or was greatly known. Mark also have an account of a resurrection story. In Mark chapter 5, verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. <laughs> After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went into, in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kom, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Jesus gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So these are resurrection stories in the Gospels. But what was different about this Lazarus incident? Why was this different from all the others? I suggest to you, this, this miracle happened and Jesus made a claim to back it. He said, I am the resurrection. The same way Moses asking God, who do I tell them? Sent me. And God's response is, tell them, the I am sent you. This resurrection incident was not like the others that were, you know, covert. Jesus didn't want others to know. You know, after he, 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 he raised this, this, this young man uh, who was a son to the widow, he, he just did a disappearing act. Or here, when he raised Jairus' daughter, uh, you know, the synagogue uh, leader, he, he told the people who were around who knew about it, shh, don't let anybody know. But this one, hey, Jesus was 
public. He was public. And he wanted people to know. More like a drops mic kind of thing, you know. I've done this. What are you guys going to do about this? And to fully appreciate this particular claim that John brings to these readers' attention, uh, there are some observations I would like to make here. The first observation is what Martha said to Jesus in response to this. And let's read this in verse 21. Lord, Martha said, if you, have, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. So Jesus refocused Martha on the immediate issue with a bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that it is God's plan to redeem all of creation back to him including that which is dead. And the prophecies of the Messiah uh, began to get, get, get a bit more apparent to somebody like Martha. If you are aware with Old Testament, talk about Jesus, uh, rather about the Messiah, we'll read in the Old Testament, like in Job chapter 19, verse 25. It says, Job says, I know my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. Isaiah 25 verse 8, Isaiah prophesying about the Messiah says, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. These are the references and many more about what the Messiah would do. Jesus point to, pointed to Martha the bigger narrative of the salvation of the nations. That's number one observation. Okay? So Martha was anticipating something. Second observation. The observation here is that Jesus made an audacious claim. I am the resurrection. I can bring things to life. In other words, I am God. Maybe I should say it in a deeper voice. I am God. He was claiming to be the author of life. He was claiming not just to be the author of life, but saying... I can conquer death. Not like Erica Worry, who was fake. Jesus was alluding to the fact that he is God. Let's hold that thought. Let me go to the third observation. The third observation here is that Jesus wept. Wept. Regardless of what had gone through, Jesus wept. It sounds like an oxymoron or a contradiction. Sindio. If you say you are the resurrection of the life, why are you crying? I want to suggest to you that Jesus fully understood and appreciated the pain and loss of a friend, of a dear, of a loved one. His grief led him to weep for his dead friend. 
But also I want to suggest to you that that weeping was not just weeping of loss, but he wept and was sad and saw what misery, hopelessness, the situation and the consequences of, of sin brings about. He says the wages of sin is? And I think Jesus was weeping about what this was doing to creation. He saw it. How people become sad, miserable, despondent, hopeless because of death. And this was never the intention at creation. And so I think, and I suggest to you that this also informed that weeping. Not just the loss of a friend, a dear loved one, but also what this death has done to all of creation. My fourth observation here is that this could not be denied by anyone. Okay? This was true. Lazarus had been dead for four days. His sister even proved that and said, if we go and, and take off the, and the stone there, the, the odor of a decomposing body will disturb the people who are around if we opened this place. But Jesus responded, did I not tell you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. I want to suggest to you one more time, Jesus says this to you, each one of you here at NCLA. Did I not tell you that if you believe, see the glory of God? Let me repeat that. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I want to repeat that. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of the God? Of God. It's not, it's not one measure of belief you know that, no, I'm, I'm, we cannot quantify belief. This is just, you just choose to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus was, was doing this as a precursor to his claim being, I am God. So, unlike Eric Awori who hoaxed the entire country with no evidence, Jesus here is backing up his claim with real evidence by calling Lazarus back to life. Jesus was just doing this and saying, I'm about to do this for myself. Think about it, guys. In retrospect, his disciples began to say, hey, hey, now, so this is what you're saying. But they could not understand it at that point. So I ask you, how does this help cocoa production in Ghana? So what, Goi, if this is I am the resurrection and the life, how, how does it help me today? I want, to, I want to suggest to you these things. One is we have an empathetic God. God actually understands, and if there's anyone who says, I feel you, and really appreciates it, it's God. Jesus feels our pain. It's not just a weeping of aimlessness. D dying on the cross was part and parcel of his plan. God made him who had no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. 
Jesus was also weeping because of that process he was also going to go through. He knew he was going to die. And he did that. So Jesus has gone through that same journey that we will all go through. Those of you who know me from back in the day, you, you knew that I had some hair. Lots of hair. <laughs> um, I had uh, dreadlocks. So I had dreadlocks before they were cool. In fact, those days when you had dreadlocks, you were arrested. You were being harassed by cops. You were being known as uh, Mungiki those days, or you were a thug. But here I was, I had <laughs> dreadlocks. And one thing about dreads was it gave you street cred. Okay? So you, I'd get into my tattoos and not pay fare. Okay? Those days. I'd not, I, I mean, the first time it happened to me, I got, I got to... Just, it just amazed me because I got into this mat and we were going and I kept on giving. You know the condi passes and you give, it doesn't take my money. It goes, some people come in, you know, and he charges them. I give, it doesn't. I mean, this is a... So when I was just about to get, I said, Chukisha Apa, kwa stage, I said, Chukua Pesa. He said, I said, when you wait to? I was like, what? When you wait to? From then on, I milked it. <laughs> but that's what Christ is saying to us every day. I got you. If you have chosen to believe, just believe. God is an empathetic. He knows what you're going through. Whatever you're going through. I may not understand what you're going through, but God does. Number two. Jesus has overcome the world. So Jesus predicted his death and even predicted that his own followers would desert him. And, and if to say, guys, this was, will be the order of the day for those who follow me, he says, trials and tribulations and persecution will come. A few weeks later, he's having a last meal with his followers, his inner group, his disciples in John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He was speaking in the future. And I want to express this to you uh, with another childhood analogy. So, um, uh, my, my, my father was a very good swimmer and he taught us to swim at a very early age. By three years old, I could swim a whole length of a pool and in the deep end. I, was, I could do that. And then by the time I was about, maybe about five, six, I was already diving from a diving board. But there was one diving board we could never jump off from. And that was the diving, 30-foot diving board from at YMCA Central. I was like, one day I'll get there. Okay? But we would see people jump from that thing and be like, you know. But I was a good swimmer. Okay? I'd jump from the six-foot one 
this one and the, you know, the three-foot one, you know, that springboard. I would do that, but, but I was like there at six years old. So my dad, I don't know how he did this, but maybe this is a way he used to keep us. So he used to take us, leave us at YMCA and say, swim, I will come back for you. So my brother and I would do that. My brother was a bit more courageous than me at that time. And he says, do you want to jump on this thing? Say, yeah, just follow me. Do what I do. So he would go and climb and, and <laughs> my brother was much older than me. And people would stop him from coming because they were seeing he's small. But he says, go up and jump. Just see what I did. So my brother went up, jumped, went up and he jumped. And he got in trouble. Okay. He got in trouble and he was told to go and sit down somewhere by the lifeguards and all that. So here's a five, six-year-old who was with his brother. And he knew if he goes up there and jumps, he will never swim at YMCA again. But I said I must do it. So I went, I climbed up. By the time I reached up, people were screaming. Those of you who have been at YFCA Central, there's that veranda there where it's like the restaurant. People were seeing this little kid on top over there. And people were screaming, hey, there's a child there. Goey, that was attention for me. Yo, 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 yeah. All right. And then I jumped. I jumped wee, into the water. And people were screaming. They thought me I was going to kill myself. I came up. I was doing that. I was happy. Hey, Maze, the lifeguard came, pulled. My ear was pulled like this. I was told, go and sit down. And I was just happy. Because I'd done that. I was banned from swimming at YMCA. My brother and I, we never went back. Each time my father would say, let's go swimming YMCA. Nope. Because we didn't want him to know uh, that would happen. But I did it because my brother did it. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, the writer of Hebrews says he's able to, those, to help those who are being tempted. Guys, it's as if Jesus is saying, look at what I've done. I have overcome the world. You too can do it. Number three, Jesus is the real deal. He is what he says he is. You see, because of another resurrection that happened a couple of weeks after this resurrection. The fourth resurrection story in the Gospels is his own resurrection. Jesus rose from the dead. He is the real deal, guys. Jesus is the real deal. There's nothing else. Nobody else has risen from the dead. Anybody else who has risen from the dead died again. But Jesus died and rose again and is alive. Hallelujah. He is alive. And he rules and reigns. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the seas, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. We read this in Isaiah 43. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. 
Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I've just read from Isaiah 43, verse 16 through 19. So guys, as we conclude today, I call on you, Nairobi Chapel Langata, to you who are listening to us online, or watching us rather online. Jesus shows that he is the one who makes a way where there is no way. Choose to believe in him. He who was raised from the dead can resurrect that which is dead in your life. That which is lost. He makes all things new. He turns your mourning into dancing. Weeping will endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Just believe. Believe, guys. Believe and put your trust and faith in the resurrected Christ made this audacious claim. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Father God, this truth, whether we like it or not, is truth. Indisputable. And there's evidence to show that you are alive. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And I do this just not to draw attention to, to, to others who I'm going to ask this question. If you have never made a decision to choose to believe in Jesus Christ, maybe this could be the day that you do it. And say, you know what? I want to choose to believe today and make that declaration that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who died and rose again. And today, moving forward, I believe. May I have never done this before. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Is there anyone? Just put your hand up, put it down. I will pray with you. I won't embarrass you. just want to pray with you. Anybody? Put your hand up. Put it down. And I will pray with you. An opportunity to start a life with Jesus believing that he is the Christ who died and rose again. Anybody? Should you choose to do this? Maybe those who are following us online. This is a prayer you can pray. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. But today, I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again. And you can reign in my life, I choose to believe this. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name. I pray, Father God, that many who hear the sound of my voice and need to make this decision, Father, that they would come 
to that realization. I pray, Father God, your blessings will be upon them. And these truths will reign supreme, resonating in the hearts and lives of others. I pray for those among us who have chosen this journey to believe in Jesus who died and rose again. That Lord, you'd continue to strengthen them. And that Lord God, because Christ has overcome the world, they too have overcome the world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.